Welcome to the Defence Forces podcast brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Irish Defence Forces podcast. My name is Captain Keen Clancy and today we're going to be chatting to Sergeant Carol Johnston of the Infantry Weapons Wing in the Defence Forces Training Centre about sniping. Uh, welcome to the show, Sarge. Cheers, sir. Um, so, for a lot of people outside, the kind of idea of a sniper and that kind of, it's one of the kind of sexier things that people want to find out about or what the story is with it, um, the kind of equipment that's used and the kind of roles that it fulfills. People, a lot of people are familiar with the sight of the kind of long-barreled weapon, but they're not really sure, other than actually firing that weapon, what the utility of a sniper is. So, over the course of the podcast, I'm just going to ask you a bit about your own background. Then we're going to kind of go in about maybe we'll talk we're going to talk about the origins of sniping and and, the, and sniping the defence forces. So you're so you're at the moment you're serving in the infantry weapons wing in the in the core in the defence forces training centre. Um, how long have you been in the army? Or can you give me a bit of your own background? Yeah, well, I I joined the army on the seventh of March, uh, two thousand and five. Um, I completed my recruit training in Gormanston Camp. From there, I was posted to A Company, Second Infantry Battalion. Okay, and that was at the time that was in Cardwell Barracks. It was. Yeah. When was your kind of first introduction to, to sniping or, or how did it become something that you were interested in? Was it something you always wanted to do when you had joined the Defence Forces? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the whole, like you, like you said, sniping itself and, and the sniper has, has always been that kind of popular image in terms of soldiering and in terms of, of, of war fighting. The sniper always had a, has a certain attraction to people. You know, there's the mysticism around it as well. A lot of people don't fully understand the skill set. And understand what snipers do for myself it was something that i've wanted to do for a long time i mean like a lot of people i would have played a lot of games growing up would have watched a lot of action movies and the sniper is kind of glamorized and popularized in in culture a lot which it has been for the last 70 80 years the sniper has particularly come to the fore as one of the most heavily utilised, I suppose, kind of propaganda tools in terms of promotion of, of, of the military and promotion of a high standard of uh, soldier skills. I mean, kind of unqualified. It's just, it's just something that's really sort of kind of in your face and something cool, but you might know exactly what the, the minutiae of it, of it is. Yeah. Like, you, you mentioned kind of when we were chatting about it that you'd actually done, you did the basic sniper course um, quite early in your career. That's correct, yeah. 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 And like... That was unusual at the time. I mean, how did you find the course yourself? Or? I found I found the course difficult. Um, my my first introduction to sniping in the army in my, my army career was my section commander on my two to three star course uh, was a corporal from the uh, second field artillery regiment. And for for those outside, the two to three star course would be the second part of your of your, ba- of your basic yes, training yeah, yeah. when you joined the, when you joined the defence forces. Mm. And he was a sniper instructor. And just from talking to him during training. Again, it kind of reignited that interest that I would have had as a young boy growing up, watching these movies, seeing these guys on TV. And then I decided pretty much then in that stage of my recruit training and that stage of my, of, of my training that it would, some, it would be something that I would pursue in my career. And I was afforded the opportunity to, not too long after I, I had come back from my first overseas mission, which was Kosovo from October 2006 to April 2007. Mm. And three or four months later, then I undertook my basic sniper course in the 2nd Field Artillery Regiment here in McKee Barracks. Okay, yeah, where we're, where we're recording today. And like, just... <clears throat> Give us a bit of a breakdown, kind of of the course or the course, how the course kind of runs. I presume, like obviously, 
there is learning how to use the weapon itself. Yeah. And we're going to go into like the type of equipment that the Defence Forces uses for sniping later on in the podcast. Mm-hmm. But like, what other kind of skills? I mean, I'm sure there's a there's a real jump up in the kind of field craft you're learning, or yeah. you know. Yeah. Now there is. I was lucky enough uh, that my unit conducted a uh, two-week kind of refresher training before I undertook the 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 course. There was three of us that were going for the course, and. Uh, one of the sniper instructors in the unit who had kind of mentored me, I suppose, in the time that I, I had spent in A Company 2nd Battalion up until that stage. And he was someone, and still someone to this day, that I that I look up to. And I learned quite a lot from him, and he had learned that I was interested in pursuing this uh, skill set. So he ran these two weeks, which brought us up to a, a good level of, of soldiering. And, and it really is a course that, in order to undertake it and to, to have the best chance of passing it you must you must have attained a high level of of, um, of soldiering through field craft which is highly important but also navigation navigation skills as a sniper are paramount so i undertook these these two weeks and then the, the course itself the basic sniper course is seven weeks long so during that time there is time spent learning the weapon system and there's a lot to learn in the weapon itself in that it's not your typical rifle there's a lot once you start to go past a certain range when you're when you're shooting there's a lot of variables that have to be learned and have to have to be compensated for okay. the likes of weather effects yeah all of this atmospheric atmospheric effects um, have to be taken into account and they have to be learned, they have to be studied. The course itself then, there are a number of sniper skills that the, the potential sniper must learn about and must pass in order to become a qualified sniper. So there's a sniper knowledge test, which is the, the basic test that every sniper must pass. And it's, 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 it's a written test that every, every basic sniper, every qualified sniper must pass this. You're also tested in camouflage and concealment which is your ability to basically within a short amount of time move to a firing position which yeah. you hastily prepare then observers trained observers in the form of sniper instructors will be given time then to observe you and like to see if they can see you or to yes to, yeah obviously assessing your drills but I suppose assessing your drills if they yeah. can't see you then you've done a good job if they can't see you you've done a good job but that's not the end of it then you must uh, you must take a, a shot from your prepared hastily prepared position now, blank ammunition is used um, during this, this phase of training. And if you're still not seeing after, the, after, for, after firing this uh, shot, then the, one of the instructors then will move into your position and check to make sure that your weapon system is set up correctly so that if you were actually firing a live round, you would have the correct settings on the, uh, on the scope, on the sight, and the rifle, pla- the rifle or the firing position that you've chosen is stable enough for you to. And to, it's probably actually, I presume, actually pointing at the, you know, just in case you're like hiding behind the tree and just firing it off. So exactly, you can't, uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, you, you have to. Um, everything is checked, and everything is, is is checked to make sure that if it was a live round that you were firing, that you would be on target and you would make the hit. And also, then they check to make sure that you have good eyes on the on on the observers, yeah. to make sure they can see you and you can't see them. Yeah. Another one of the skills then that you're tested in is the stalking skill, which the stalk is, is the kind of classic skill that people, people associate with sniping. The stalk is basically when a sniper is moving into his final stages of neutralizing or observing his target. He will, conduct, he will move into his stalk, which means that he's moving from a point. The stalk skill in, in the course is tested in that you're moving from a point A to a point B, and you must get within a certain distance of trained observers, set up a firing position, take your shot, and all this time then you're being observed. It's, it's almost like the, the, like the camouflage and concealment test, only you are being observed while you're moving into your position. 
So they have full field of view on your approach and you must use a high standard of field craft and movement in order to enter a firing position, prepare it and take your shot and then identify the observation position that the two observers that are observing for the potential snipers from. Okay, cool, right. Yeah. Well, so like, I mean, that, I mean, that sounds like it's such a really highly kind of specialised skill and that there's, mm. there's, a, there's a huge amount to it. But like, just maybe to, ro to rope back some more, but just for maybe yeah. people that, that don't kind of know or kind of, because we, we've been talking about the concept of sniping. Like, the origins of sniping, like, what, what, kind, of, what kind of origin point are we talking about? Or? Well, if you want to go right back to where the origins of military sniper came from, I mean, it's, it, it could probably be traced back to the introduction of the, of the crossbow, which is where the first kind of marksmen, I suppose, came from. Then in around the 1500s, then you had the introduction of the first kind of firearms on the battlefield. The origin of the, the sniper, the sniper is a relatively new term in that it's only little over 100 years old. Prior to this, they were known as sharpshooters. And this came from the Germanic sharpshooting. So it originated in Central Europe. And a lot of it was recreational shooting. That uh, these guys would compete in clubs. A lot like our, a lot of our shooters nowadays in the military, they also compete in civilian precision rifle shooting. They had uh, shoots and fests, which were local clubs. And then in times of warfare, then they would mobilize and they would uh, form on the battlefield as skirmishers. And they were renowned for their for their accuracy with these new uh, flintlock rifles back uh, back back then. I suppose then the. the the sniping skill or the marksman, I'll, I'll stick with the um, sharpshooter terminology for the moment, where, where it catapulted was in the US um, Civil War. So both sides, the Union and the Confederacy, both employed sniper or well, sharpshooters, and particularly the use of telescopic sights started to come to the fore. And this is kind of where the sniper first, or the sharpshooter kind of first became, I suppose the, the psychological aspect yeah. Of, of the use and the psychological impact in the use of sharpshooters came to the fore because a lot of these guys back then they were they were famous they were renowned for turning the tides of battle in that a single shooter could now neutralize a senior commander in the form of maybe perhaps an enemy general which has yeah. happened which happened in the u.s civil war and then as a result of this armies would flee the battlefield they'd be routed morale would crumble and the u.s civil war is kind of where the sharpshooter started to come into his own as a as a, as a purpose solely employed in that role as a okay. sharpshooter. From there then, moving forward, where the terminology sniper um, originated, at the, in the late 19th century, uh, English or British officers and soldiers in India would uh, recreationally shoot. They were deployed to India, they used to shoot recreationally as well, and they would hunt a small game bird um, called a snipe. If you, could hit, uh, if you could hit a snipe from a certain distance, they were, they were known for their, their dark color, yeah. They flew erratically, they were quite small. So it's a really difficult kind of target. Extremely difficult to hit, yeah. um, particularly with the types of rifles that they were using back then. Uh, if you could hit a snipe, you, you were, your, your marksman skills were classes extremely high. Okay. And then that gave way to the terminology that they would use. They would say, I'm going sniping. Yeah. I'm off out sniping for the day. And, and that meant they were going out uh, hunting these game birds or just going out shooting in general. The first use of the, the, the military term sniper comes from the First World War as British media uh, started to label sharpshooters as snipers. And from then, over the last 100 years, particularly the military sniper in terms of role on the battlefield has, has expanded exponentially. From the First World War, the psychological impact 
the, the tactical use of a sniper became invalu invaluable. Moving forward to the Second World War, the sniper almost became a celebrity on the battlefield. You do hear a lot of stories, or, or, yeah. or, and there's lots of, there's been, what was that, there was a Tarantino film where the, one of the German characters had, had become, fa that's become right, a famous yeah. actor or yeah, something, that's right, um, yeah. based upon his exploit in the battlefield as yeah. a sniper. That's right, yeah, um, and, and I suppose that's, that's almost happened in, in history. If you take the Second World War, for example, or even before the Second World War, there was a Finnish sniper in the uh, Winter War in the, 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 with fin uh, Finland and uh, Russia, um, Simo Haya. Probably the sniper that's been credited with the more or with the most um, kills in history. He became very popular. He was uh, he became a, a propaganda tool or a PR tool. And, and moving on from that, then the, the Soviets during the Second World War, they employed in full units of snipers, male and female snipers. In particular, probably one of the most famous snipers of all time, Vasily Zaitsev, who was a, a Soviet sniper on the Eastern Front. He almost did become a movie star. His, his, his popularity, he was, he was used more for touring the Soviet Union to, to, to garner support for the war effort. Than actually for sniping. Yeah, yeah, war. pretty much. Um, and then from that, you had a female sniper, which was basically his equivalent, Lyudmila Pavlenchenko. She was, she was used as a propaganda and a, and a, and a PR tool. And then, and then as, as a result of, of, of this you know, expansion of the skilled sector in the Second World War then, and the use of the sniper as a as a as almost a public relations and a and a, and a propaganda um, tool. You you had other famous snipers like Carlos Hatcock, U.S. Marine Corps Master Sergeant, in the in, in the Vietnam War, who became extremely popular for his use of mounting scopes onto various different weapon systems. Yeah. So and even up to the modern day, then the the, the likes of Chris the, Coyle, Chris Coyle, yeah, American Chris Coyle. Sniper, yeah. Look, I mean, he's he's probably the most recent kind of sniper celebrity, and his exploits have been well uh, popularized in, in in movies and 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 various different forms of media. So I mean, like this the skill set itself, it's 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 been around for about five hundred years, but it's only in the last. 400 or the last 100 years that it's really kind of come to the fore and it's expanded um and, and almost become some snipers there as we talk, spoke about celebrity status so yeah so i mean that a lot of that stuff about history is nightmare i, I didn't know anything about about a lot of it. it's, it's really great stuff um regard to the type of roles obviously like people are people who aren't familiar with the skill set and, and with its roles i mean it, the most obvious thing that when you think about a sniper is just firing uh, a long range weapon. Yeah. But like, yeah. what kind of what kind of roles? What does a sniper provide you with um, as a as as a battlefield commander, or what kind of support do, can snipers provide in operations? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, you're right. What you say. A lot of people think that a sniper is is just shooting. You know, it's it's a sniper's primary role. I suppose would be classed as shooting and neutralizing targets, but their secondary role is observation. Snipers in general spend probably 95 or 99 percent of their time carrying out their secondary role, which is observation, acting as the eyes of the, of the battlefield commander and reporting back. The sniper operates as part of the reconnaissance section, so their job, the sniper's job, is to gather information primarily. In terms of war fighting, what a sniper can offer is obviously observation. So snipers, sniper teams, sniper sections. Sniper units are trained to deploy ahead of the, the forward edge of, of, of your own troops or friendly troops and to gather information. More often than not, sniper teams and sniper units are sent out to, 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 to gather information on, on, on enemy movements, um, strategic points and locations. 
And then obviously there are times when a sniper team can be tasked with neutralizing key enemy personnel. But in order for a sniper team to carry out this task of, of neutralizing or destroying enemy personnel, the information must be gathered where they are. Yeah. And that's where the sniper team plays into the uh, into, in, into the reconnaissance unit, that it, the greater reconnaissance unit that a sniper team is part of, in that they help to gather that information, which leads to, to further operations. Okay. A sniper detachment or a sniper team, um, in terms of warfighting again, can, can be used, I suppose they can give you more bang for your buck. Yeah. In terms of it's a small unit deployed on the battlefield and they can be used to hold up or disrupt the movement of enemy formations a lot bigger than, than, than their own size. Yeah. A sniper team, a well-motivated sniper team or detachment could hold up a company or maybe even a battalion sized enemy formation due to the fact that, well, number one, I spoke about this already, you have the psychological aspect of a sniper a well-disciplined and well-trained sniper. Firstly, you don't know where the fire, ideally you don't know where the fire is coming from. Yeah. And everybody is afraid to move. And if if the troops at the front are afraid to move, then it'll hold up the entire operation. Having a knock-on effect all the way back. It has a knock-on effect all the way back. Yeah. Uh, in terms of assets then that must be utilized to, to dislodge or to move or to destroy a sniper team, that holds up the, the, the movement down uh, in that a lot of armies have employed air assets in, in the forms of an airstrike yeah. or artillery, particularly in the Second World War or, and the First World War. If a sniper was detected operating in a certain area, usually an artillery barrage would follow because it's easier just to destroy an entire area or an entire building rather than to actually find to attempt place. to maneuver in on a sniper's position. It's safer. That's what you were saying earlier, that a lot of friendly forces at the time would have disliked their friendly snipers. That's, that's correct. They yeah. Yeah. I mean, if a sniper was operating in a trench in the First World War, a couple of meters away from some of the other guys, you know, they, 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 would, they would dislike this because if the opposing force detected a sniper operating in an area, an artillery barrage would follow soon after. Yeah. yeah. You know, and... Um, I suppose then, in, in, when manoeuvre warfare came on, came a greater element in the Second World War, the sniper was more generally accepted then by, by their own side in that they offered force protection. Yeah. We, we have actually spoken, so in the yeah. previous podcast, we, met, we spoke of medical force protection, or mm-hmm. the overall concept of force protection being that they contribute to your own friendly forces yeah. not being put in danger or, yes, yeah. or, or basically protecting friend, your yeah, friendly forces. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it gives friendly forces that added reassurance that somebody is, is, is watching their back and a sniper team or detachment would be deployed on what we call overwatch. And basically that's just watching your friendly forces as they're conducting their business, whether that is in terms of war fighting, whether that's advancing onto a target or neutralizing a target. The sniper team will provide overwatch just to make sure that no, nothing out of the or nothing unexpected can interrupt their 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 actions that they're carrying out. Uh, the overwatch um, the overwatch role is something that, that Irish snipers carry out yeah. quite a lot overseas on peace support operations. And the sniper, obviously, the sniper as, as a warfighter and in warfighting use is a force multiplier. And it's an excellent system to have available, but in terms of peace support operations, which, which is something like I suppose people don't kind of realize. Everybody associates it with an yeah, offensive yeah, type of warfare, yeah. but in peace support operations, there's a no, there's a huge number of roles that can fulfill as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, in in terms of peace support operations, the sniper is an invaluable asset. A sniper team can offer 
Obviously Overwatch, tech-friendly forces, if they're moving into an unknown area. A sniper team can also provide information gathering for a commander. A sniper team can also provide damage limitation. If you are operating in a peace support environment and an incident happens, the sniper team or the presence of a sniper team can often be enough to de-escalate a situation. Yeah. I mean, if, if an aggressor or, or, or if a, a hostile knows that he's in the scope of a sniper team or knows that a sniper team is operating in the area, more often than not, it, it can be enough of a deterrent yeah. to stop somebody from, from, from carrying out a, an act. Um, a lot of this is, is kind of more prevalent in the uh, police employment of snipers yeah. in the likes of hostage situations and things like this. If, 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 if a hostage taker knows that there's a sniper team operating and that they have eyes on, and the individual, then it's, it's more often than not, it's enough to de-escalate a situation. Okay. Um, but a lot of a lot of the, the the sniper role in the Irish Defence Forces on peace support operations has been force protection, and it's it's a it's a role that I've carried out. Yeah, you you said yeah. that you actually deployed to Chad. Yes, um, um, as a sniper. Mm -hmm. yeah. Tell us a bit about that. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, I deployed to Chad in two thousand and nine. I had just completed in January two thousand and nine. I had just completed the uh, sniper instructor's course in the infantry weapons wing where I'm based now. And then in, in, yeah, in January of 2009, I deployed to Chad uh, as part of a, a sniper team. Um, and for the four months I was out there, we, we were employed full-time as, as snipers. There was six of us, six sniper qualified personnel in the, in the battalion, the 99th Infantry Battalion. And uh, our, our job when we went out on patrols was to provide overwatch for our, um, our comrades as, as they moved into villages. Um, it was a time of heightened tension because there was, a, there was a rebel incursion while we were there. And uh, a lot of our time was spent in observation positions. So we would move to some kind of vantage point and de deploy ourselves in, in the observation role. Um, whether that was covert observation, so basically we remain hidden, remain yeah. out of sight, or overt observation. And then again, like the overt side of it, again, is, is another deterrent. If, yeah. if, if, if a sniper team are visible, which is what you see a lot of in, in police roles and then in the kind of um, aid to civil power role that the, the, the Irish Defence Forces undertake on Ireland. Um, the, the deployment of invisible sniper teams is, is a deterrent as well. And it's also a reassurance for friendly forces. Yeah, that there are some As part of this force is, protection is watching, role. Watching over them. Yeah, yeah. And I was part of uh, teams that provided early warning for our camp in Chad, uh, Camp Kira. Mm -hmm and we, we would deploy in the area around the camp at the time of the heightened tension during the rebel incursions and we basically act as the eyes of our, our commander yeah. and feedback information into through our battalion operation center and then that fed into the greater uh, mission picture yeah. yeah so like i mean you can see here there's a building up building up snipe, like sniper teams and sniping as mm. part of a much greater whole that has so many, so many uses. Mm. But to get into sort of maybe some of the nitty gritty as well, mm -hmm. with regard to the Irish Defence Forces, the kind of equipment that we that we operate. Yeah. Like what 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 are the rifles that we're using just for, for people at home? Okay, so in terms of, of, of weapons that a that a sniper carries, a sniper carries a substantial amount of, of equipment. So if you think, for example, the classic two man sniper team, which which you very rarely operate as uh, for sustainability, but we, we can talk about that a little bit later on. So a sniper, we'll start with, with, with the bottom and work our way up, I suppose. So each member of a sniper team will carry a pistol, mm -hmm. which is, uh, is nine millimeter, plus the ammunition associated with that. In addition to this, they'll also carry our general service rifle, which is the, the Steyr with the by four um, ACOG sight. Yeah. 
In addition to this then, the sniper will carry his long rifle as we call it, or the, the bolt action rifle, the Accuracy International. This weapon itself, for general service, comes in two different calibers. So we have the 0.308 of an inch, um, which is our kind of uh, short, short range uh, sniper rifle, short to medium range sniper rifle. And then for the larger taskings or, or, or situations that require a bit of a longer reach, then we have the 0.338 sniper rifle. Slightly heavier, a larger round, which will give you a little bit, uh, uh, which will give you quite a longer range, quite a longer reach, and then will allow you, because of the, the size of the round, which will allow you to negate uh, some of the weather effects and some so of what the What kind external. of range are we talking about? Um, you're looking at for the 0.308, which is our, our, our basic um, model, Accuracy International, you're looking at a planning range of 800 meters. Yeah. Um, for the 0.338, you're looking at out to 1400 meters, but you will score hits out to 1600 meters, which is a mile. Wow. Uh, our shooters quite regularly hit, hit targets out to a mile down in the, in the Glenville Mall artillery range. Well, that is quite a, easy. That's a huge distance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in addition to this, um, it's 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 a soft weapon, a special a special operations force weapon. But there is also a 0.5 version, or a um, it, to use a popular term, a 50 caliber uh, version of the of the Accuracy International, which is used by our special forces unit, the Army Ranger Wing. Okay, right. And a pocket of range is that going to that will give you out over two kilometers. Wow. Yeah. And still have enough power at that range to uh, to cause a devastating effect on the target. Yeah. It's it's it it's more I suppose. Well, it's classed as an anti-material rifle. Um, it, it, it's, it's a highly effective counter-sniping weapon. Um, and counter-sniping then is, is a skill that, that came out of the heavy use of snipers in the Second World War, in that there was a saying that it takes a sniper to stop a sniper. And when you have such a large caliber weapon system as the, as the .5 Accuracy International, it allows you to penetrate uh, most of the, number one, the armor, that a sniper may be wearing personally on, on their own person, and also whatever um, cover they may be behind, whether it's brick walls, cinder block walls, any kind of, of, of heavy cover. Okay, well, mm. I, wasn't, I wasn't aware that we had the uh, 0.5 uh, yeah, yeah. caliber of sniper rifle service, so that's, uh, mm -hmm. that's great information to have. Um, in regard to other, other kind of equipment or mm. sort of say body armor, or, or what other kind of things would you be carrying if you were inserting it in an area? Yeah, in addition to the weapon systems and, and, and the ammunition that has to be carried for them, obviously because if a sniper is acting, the observation and the information gathering, that information has to be carried back, has to be passed back. And that's done through the use of radio, uh, radio communications. So the sniper team will carry radio sets and the associated batteries that go with them. Uh, in addition to this then, they'll carry their night vision equipment night vision for themselves, their own personal night vision, which can be mounted on their on their helmets, and then night vision systems, which can be mounted onto the weapons as well, the, yeah. their own personal stars, and the bolt action rifle as well. And then of course batteries, batteries have to be carried for everything. Yeah. You know, it's a substantial amount of equipment. And then in addition to this, the sniper is also wearing his, his personal body armor, and and the helmet as well. Um, so that's, a, that's an awful lot of weight to be carrying as well. There is an awful lot of weight to be carried. And then you think in, in terms of sustainability, so you have batteries to sustain your equipment, to sustain the operator, to sustain the sniper themselves, you're talking food and water then must be carried on top of this and clothing. So in, in, in terms of, you can't put an exact figure on, on the weight, but in terms of, of, of equipment, it's, it's substantial. In addition, the, the, the spotter also has a dedicated spotter's rifle that they will carry to, to assist the sniper. So like having talked about all the equipment that you have to carry and, and your, your food and water and sustaining yourself, yeah. I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge amount of weight. So there's obviously a, 
a large kind of fitness and robustness aspect to being a sniper. I presume the course itself is quite robust as well. It is, you know, it is, it is. The the course itself, from a physical from a physical aspect, the course itself is is, is very demanding. Um, not just the early the early starts and late finishes. I, I spoke about the navigation role of a sniper and navigating over long distances, carrying heavy weight, does require a lot of. It requires a lot of physical fitness and mental toughness as yeah. well. If, if you're talking about inserting into into an operation or or even on an exercise here, and then you're carrying the equipment that you need to sustain that operation for however long it may be, depending on the terrain that you're walking that you're going to be walking over, you're going to be maneuvering over. Yeah, I mean, physical fitness is. It's, it's a big part of it. Like it's, a, it's paramount. Like typical sort of a kind of distances for, for insertion, like mm-hmm. as in how, how close to your, um, to the point that, that which are actually going to go into your hide, would you typically be, in, in a kind of a, say in an exercise scenario, in an operation mm-hmm. scenario, would you, would you be dropped off? How far would you actually have to go? It's hard to put a, put a figure on it, but you could say between 10 to 15 kilometres of, of if, you're, if you're going to class a, a, a typical insertion walk and then you're carrying... Like I said, it's it's hard to put a figure on the amount of equipment that you'd be carrying because when you're talking weapons, ammunition, equipment, batteries, food, water, clothing, it all adds up. And there's, there's a personal there's a personal kind of aspect to the equipment that's carried as well. So each yeah. individual will carry different weights depending on what they want to carry and what they feel that they need that they need to carry. But yeah, it's it's if it, it, physical fitness is extremely important because. Number one, if, if you're not physically fit and, and, and mentally tough enough to carry the weight into the operation area, once you carry out that walk or you carry out that insertion walk, whatever distance it may be, the real work starts when you get to Yeah, so to you have your, to be fit you yeah. have to be fit to do the operation once you get in there. Yeah, because I mean, if you have to prepare a position, usually by night, so if you're talking an, a, a covert position, which is a, a position that, that, that you must remain unseen for a period of time, so you're talking about a covert observation post, which must be must be prepared during darkness. Yeah. So you'll insert ideally by night, uh, reach your objective area ideally by night, and then work through the night to prepare this position. Whether it's digging down deep, or if you're lucky enough to come across a position that doesn't require much preparation, then you know all well and good. But nine times out of ten, you have to work hard for a number of hours to get that position prepared and get it comfortable because you're looking at sustainability then, which which we spoke about. A sniper team or sniper detachment must be able to sustain themselves. Yeah. And a lot of that comes down to comfort as well. So once you've once you've walked and you've inserted and you've worked and you've you if you need to dig, then you've prepared your position, then your work doesn't end there. You go into your your the next phase of your operation, whether that's observing, which again is a mental mentally taxing i mean if you're if you're looking through glass a spotting scope or some kind of glass whether it's binoculars a spotting scope or a rifle scope that is mentally draining yeah you know and and the physical fitness aspect it doesn't it doesn't just take in being physically fit doesn't just allow you to walk for x amount of miles and then dig a hole in the ground when you get there it also allows you to remain awake remain alert yeah to observe to notice things to 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 extract information from the picture in front of you. To carry the mission that you've yeah, that you've been exactly, you're and then to compile that information into use into ammunition, useful information for your commander, and feed that back in a, in a timely manner in order to affect 
future operations, yeah. which ideally or which ultimately is what a sniper's job is, is to do, is to gather information and then feed that back into into the next phase of the operation, whatever it may be. Okay. Mm -hmm. And like as regards, say once you're in there, okay, and you've 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 dug down, you've created your position, mm -hmm. what way typically like do you go into routine? Do you, do you work in shifts or, or what's what's the idea? Yeah, well I <laughs> You do work in shifts. Obviously, the walk in the, the the work, the routine is 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 quite taxing. But we're not robots, you know. We, you don't stay awake for seventy two hours, ninety six hours, whatever amount of time that you're in an observation position. So, basically, what will happen is you will have uh, one member of the team will observe, will observe the target or observe the objective, whatever it may be. One member of the team will provide security, whether that's watching to the rear or watching for any unwanted situations that may develop in the area. Yeah. And then whoever is not needed uh, is resting. And once you are in an observation position and once, you, once you've set up and, and you're, you're as comfortable as possible, uh, it, it, once you settle into routine, it basically works on a rotation system of observing the target, reporting, logging information, resting, providing security. And it's just constant rotation. All what, the way this, through. Is, this is like what you, what you kind of mentioned earlier about how, like, a sniper pair just mm -hmm. two isn't really sustainable no. over a long period of time. You do no. need a third person to yeah. manage to rotate. Yeah. And, and actually, actually, because the security aspect of it, keep keeping your, because you don't want to be found out by. Yeah, exactly. The opposing forces walking yeah. around the area. Exactly, and 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 that's why it's 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 of paramount importance that while you're working through the night to prepare this position that you don't leave any kind of uh, sign so that when, when it does become daytime, if you leave a nice little trail going into your position or you don't properly camouflage the outside of your position, then you know, you've wasted your time because yeah. you're sticking out like a sore thumb on a natural background or whatever it may be. Um, a two-man or two-person sniper team is perfect for quick operations. You know, insert into an area, carry out a task and withdraw. When you're looking at anything over kind of 24 hours, uh, going into 72 hours, or 48, 72, and 96 hours, you're looking at a minimum of four uh, in order to rotate okay, and make well. sure that everybody gets uh, adequate sleep. But I mean, a sniper, a sniper, a sniper team or detachment then can band into a section on the ground, and you can have any number of sniper teams, whether that's four man or a full section, operating in support of each other, providing mutual support, ensuring that um, your personnel are sustained through rest, and also food and water runs out over time. So you're you're, you're limited in that we have to rest, and you're limited in the food and water that you can carry, and batteries also. So for long-term operations, you're talking about resupply. It becomes more complicated yeah, then. Yeah, of course. Of you're course talking of leaving your position in order to be resupplied to move back in. So as regards, yeah. say, timing, timings, mm. we're going to talk about a maximum of... I'd say 72 to 96 hours um, without resupply. 72. And of course, if, if you're resupplying, then you're, you're running the risk of the position being seen or... or... Yeah, I, I, to be resupplied, you're running the risk of, of being compromised in that you must leave your position in order to, 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 to pick up your resupply. Depending on the tactical situation, a resupply can be dropped close by. If the tactical situation doesn't allow, or the situation in the greater picture, uh, the situation on the ground doesn't allow, then you're going to have to move a greater distance to carry your resupply which again leads to more exertion. It, it, it doesn't work well for sustainability. Okay. With regard to kind of Irish snipers on the international stage, in a kind mm, of, yeah. we participate in a number of international sniping competitions and we run our we own. We do, yeah, we do. Um, so do you, like, can you give us a bit of a breakdown on that? Like, could we spoke a bit about the skills earlier. Mm -hmm. What kind of skills in an international sniping competition are tested and, and like, how are they tested? How, how do you decide, yeah. aside from the shooting aspect of it, but yeah. who's the, who is the best uh, sniper team? Yeah, okay, so um, 
a number of years ago, the, uh, the Irish Defence Forces started running all-army uh, sniper competitions. And then from there, that expanded into international sniper competitions. Very similar to what our, our partners in the US uh, Army and, and various other different armies run international competitions. So what happens in the international competition is we invite uh, foreign partners, US, to, to name a few of them, we invite uh, the US, British, German, Belgian, Dutch, and Canadian um, forces, to, to name a few, there, there are others. The, court, the competition is run over two weeks. Basically, the first week is a concentration week. Um, what happens is this is kind of the one time that, of the year that allows the, the sniper community uh, in, the, in the defense forces to come together. The sniper community itself, a really tight-knit community of, of, in the organization of, of like-minded individuals. I suppose I'll, I'll just touch on this. The, the sniper skill set itself is something that, it's not something that you undertake or it's not a path that you follow order for you know, career advancement. It's, yeah. it's, it's very much a, a, a kind of a calling, I suppose. It's not, it's not an easy course it's not not easy. for everybody. Like. It's not easy. And I mean, if you think in terms of the promotion aspects of becoming a sniper, for example, in a standard Irish infantry battalion, there is one sniper sergeant appointment. So it's, it's not a course that you would, you, you would go and are complete in order to open up doorways for promotion. Yeah. It's, it's something that, it's, it's, it's a skill set that draws soldiers that are motivated, that want to, want to basically make, make themselves better and advance themselves and, and want to be, become part of this, this community. And, their sol and in their soldiering skills. And in their soldiering skills, yeah. They want to advance their soldiering skills. So the, con the concentration week, we all come together as, um, as, as a group and we train together and we learn off of each other. It's, it's very much a, an open kind of workshop based week where anybody can bring anything to the table. I mean, like I said, we have a lot of shooters. In fact, our, our top shooter in, in, in the country competes regularly in uh, civilian pre precision rifle shooting. And there's a lot of stuff going on out there in, in the civilian shooting that we can learn from. I mean, the, the, some of the top shooters in the world are ex-military, now civilian competitors. And, um, and our guys then, this, is, this, is hap this has happened for the last 500 years that the, the sharp shooting skills have come from shooting competitions outside and then we're brought but into the military. People are enjoying, people enjoy, enjoy the, yeah. the skill aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And skills that people have learned in, in civilian competitions have translated into military applications, yeah. whether that's true complicate or true um, competitions, military comp competitions, or through the application of these skills on the battlefield and mm -hmm. you know, war fighting and peace support operations. So after the first week then, and our, our foreign colleagues are invited to this, this first week and they can, they can come along and they can throw in anything they want. They're free to, it's, it's an open forum. Um, in the infantry weapons wing, uh, my, my unit, we, we facilitate the running of this. Yeah. We know that the knowledge is out there in the units, the shooters that are, are carrying out these tasks all the time. And we facilitate the running of this. Now the second week is very much the competition. So we run that in the Glen Ramal. And last year we had 24 teams. Obviously we had the Irish Defence Forces teams from various different units. Um, we had uh, foreign teams from the British Armed Forces. We had uh, US shooters. We had Dutch Marine Commandos. Our Canadian, unfortunately Canadian, um, there was a number of Canadian teams lined up to travel, but unfortunately due to natural disaster in the form of flooding over there, they couldn't travel okay, at the last okay. minute. So yeah, yeah it, was, it was a highly successful, highly successful week, which ultimately was won out by a, an Irish team from the 6th Infantry Battalion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. We got, we got some great, PR branch, we got some great images of it. And yeah. it, it looks like it. What kind of events are we talking about? So obviously we spoke about the physical, we spoke about the physical aspect of, of, of sniping and the, and the high standard of physical fitness and robustness that's required of, of, of snipers. So from the get-go, uh, the physical aspect is, is, is there, and um, it, that that adds to the stress element. So every every shoot, 
or every event of the concentration will involve some kind of physical element to mm. add that little bit of stress to kind of turn the screw on the shooters as, as, as they're operating. You're looking at the skills that are tested. So there's long range shooting, various different positions. Navigation is tested. Uh, in addition to this then, shooting from unstable platforms. So you think of the classic sniper lying prone on the ground uh, in a nice comfortable position which they can sustain for a couple of hours. Yeah. It doesn't happen. It very, very rarely happens unless you're on a gallery range, which is a set range, and then you're firing at, at, at paper targets. In a uh, battle scenario or in a, in a combat kind of situation, which is what we try and simulate in the competition, yeah. snipers are shooting from various different positions, whether that's standing, kneeling, seating, from vehicles, from all different types of unstable platforms, very uncomfortable positions. So that adds the stress element into it as well, and also adds the physical uh, aspect of it as well because physical fitness doesn't just entail moving from A to B at speed or carrying weight it's also you may be able to move into a position or you may be able to lie in a position or adopt an unorthodox shooting position yeah yeah the various different weapon systems are tested then as well so you have the, the classic bolt action rifle which is tested the spotter's rifles are tested as well the spotter themselves are tested separately to the to, to the sniper so there's, we have a scoring system for in the sniper team the sniper and the spotter will be scored separately yeah, I've seen that there's, there's an award mm. for best sniper, but there's also yeah. an award for best spotter, there isn't is it? Indeed, yeah. yeah, and then there best overall team as best well. Best overall yeah. team. And then in addition to this, then the backup weapon in, in the form of your sidearm or your, your pistol is tested as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... it's Fairly comprehensive. Like, it is, you know, it is, yeah. And the, the time that we have to run it, we, we try and fit everything in over the course of the week. And it, it, it does work quite well. It's an intense week for the teams. And it, it does work quite well. It has worked quite well in the, in the past. Um, we, we usually, we get good feedback. Or we have always gotten good feedback from... From our foreign, foreign colleagues and then the the, the winners i suppose the, the the coveted there are prizes we do have prizes um for the, the the winners but the most coveted prize is um travel foreign travel for our own highest placing irish teams so the first and second teams get to travel to the united states to compete in their international sniper competition yeah. in uh, fort benning in in georgia and the uh, next team then get to, to compete in Canada in their international sniper competition. Whoa, so, so I mean, that's aside from all the, the prizes that we do have, and we, we do get pretty good prizes for, for, for the shooters and for the competitors, the, 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 the most highly coveted prize is that chance to travel. And unfortunately, due to the, the current situation... Um, with with COVID-19 outbreak, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for, those, for those of you at home, this has obviously been recorded during, during COVID-19. Mm. Our current top team didn't get to travel, which would have been last month to uh, Fort Benning. But the, thankfully, um, we have word that the competition has just been po postponed, not cancelled. So we're hoping that the team will get to compete at a later date. And hopefully we'll, we hopefully will do very well. So like, having talk, spoken about like, the international cycling competitions, I mean, there seems to be a really vibrant community out there and the mm. the um, the concentration week you have with uh, other foreign militaries as well. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it seems like, like I said, really vibrant. With regards to the, sort of the future of sniping in both the defence forces and say outside, what are, are there any major developments coming down the line or what are the current trends in Sniping. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a lot actually going on there now at the moment in my my unit, the weapons wing. Part of it, I'm lucky to be part of a team of four NCO instructors. So and uh, so non-commissioned officers for any, yeah. any of our listeners who wouldn't know. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and a, and a, a, a captain, uh, an officer, a sniper, and we're we're just constantly involved in in, in planning. I mean, uh, we've just recently taken delivery of the new sniper clothing, so. The sniper, the sniper skill set is one of the the few kind of infantry um, skills that has task specific clothing. You know, we we have uh, 
we've just taken delivery of, of new sets of that so that'll be rolled out across the organization which will allow us to, to carry out our jobs a little bit more effectively in addition to this we have the procurement of new spotters rifles coming on the new um sniper support weapon yeah. so this will be the spotter's rifle this will kind of uh, assist the sniper in in in, in their taskings and we'll add a, a little bit more firepower to the sniper team uh, as, as part of this then uh, com coming out of the the sniper support rifle is a designated marksman's rifle so this will be brought into all infantry sections across the organization and it will bridge the gap between our standard service rifle and our light machine gun which yeah. operates at section level on the field and it will give commanders small level commanders an added observation capability mm -hmm. and will also allow you precision fire and um a little bit more firepower than what your our general service rifle carries but not the maximum damage that the general purpose machine gun or our light machine gun will um, yeah okay of course yeah. So, accuracy, yeah. yeah this is something that will be rolling out across the entire organization um, and then moving forward, then there is any number of sniper equipment coming online in the form of new tripods. We've taken delivery of new backpacks, new uh, sniper specific backpacks, which allow us to carry the, the, the weapon system on our backs. Um, because a sniper doesn't carry his, his, his sniper rifle as his primary weapon system. If he's, if he's walking. When you're moving yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the sniper carries the, our general service rifle, but the, the sniper rifle is only removed from its, its, its backpack when it's going into its, its task or when the sniper is moving into the stock phase, I suppose, of, of the operation. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's, it's constantly changing. The, the, the sniper clothing has been an ongoing process for the last number of years. Every couple of years it's replaced and it's, it's renewed and it's sent out. And then we've, uh, we're, we're looking down the line at new shooting platforms. Our sniper officer is currently, uh, currently looking at developing a couple of shooting platforms, which is going to increase our range capabilities. And uh, yeah, the, t the team uh, in the weapons wing is just, is just constantly working. We're looking at new night vision systems for our, for our weapons as well. So it's, it's, it's a constant ongoing process. Well, const constant development. Constant development. Um, we're also looking at changing the syllabus for some of the courses as well. And yeah, it's, that's gonna be something that we'll be looking at over the next couple of months. Well, constant, constant improving. Yeah, constant. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thanks very much for coming on to us, Carl. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. A very, very interesting uh, podcast. I'm sure there's a lot of information on that that people wouldn't have heard before. Mm. Um, for our listeners out there, please keep an eye on Defence Forces social media platforms and military.ie for further content on the Irish Defence Forces. And for our serving members, please check out the members area of military.ie. Today's programme was produced by Gunnar Porrick Sullivan and Sergeant Paul Keeley of the Defence Forces Audiovisual School. And to everyone out there, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back with another episode soon. Stay safe.